Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to talk to a new friend, really, that I just met over the internet on Gab. And if you're not on Gab yet, you need to make sure and jump over there and support Andrew Torba and all that's going on there. It's a pretty fun place. But I've bumped into a guy named Joel, and I get to talk to him today because God's been doing a real work, and he reached out to me, and we just started chatting a little bit. I'm talking to Joel Blanco today. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Jared. Good. Well, why don't we go ahead and pray, and then I think we're going to have some fun talking about what God's doing. Sure. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for blessing and leading on this conversation. I thank you for a brother and a friend in Joel. It's just been neat getting to talk to him already. And I just ask you to bless this conversation. And for everybody listening in, uh, God, I, I just ask that you would, uh, that this would be a source of encouragement and that you would, uh, you just help us, help us be good listeners, help us to, um, to learn from this conversation and then obey you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, Joel, uh, I'm just learning about you and my listeners probably don't know much about you. Maybe friends and family that may listen to this already already do, um, that you forward this along to. But for those who don't know you, why don't you go ahead and kind of bring us up to speed. Who are you? Tell us about yourself, your family, and then what you do. Yeah, so my name is Joel Blanco. Um, I'm a first-generation uh, American. My parents are Cuban. Uh, Cuban. They fled Cuba um, during the communist regime to the States, uh, relocated to Miami, where I was born, raised, and currently live. I've been married to my wife, Rosa, for eight years, going on nine. I have two daughters, Madeline and Maisie, uh, five and three, and I am currently a property manager. Okay, great. That's great. So we got a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and we just had a baby girl. And so you guys have, you're living with three girls in your home. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Pretty exciting. So um, been married eight years. Now, how old are you, Joel? I'm 32. 32. Okay. So I've got you by a few years. Um, the reason I've had you on this show is because you reached out to me and you talked about what God had done in your life and that God was rebuilding or being rebuilt in the hand of God. And I was so encouraged by that. You'd said you'd been listening to this show. You'd been listening to uh, the hard men podcast with Eric Kahn and it's good to be a man by Michael Foster. And I've been so encouraged by those guys as well. And it's just been an encouragement listening to, to guys that are, not only like-minded, but just learning from them. And I've been learning from those guys as well. So I just wanted to hear your testimony about what God's been doing the last couple of years, the last year in particular. And we'll just kind of go from there. So what's God been doing in the last year of your life that you would say that you have been rebuilt by the hand of God? Yeah. So um, to preface my answer, um, regarding what God has been doing prior to 2020 and what he did in the beginning of 2020, a lot of it stems from finding what you have coined fantastically as the, the three P's, which is protector, provider, and priest. Mm-hmm. And so I was really lacking and failing in all of those areas. And I, I knew that. And I was just grasping at straws. And I had no idea what to do um, to the point where I was just, it was just a lot of analysis paralysis at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so once 2020 started, Um, First thing that happened was I was, I left my job of seven years on, in January. Okay. So it was before COVID. Um, 
I really, at that time, I learned that I was really anti-fragile at that point mm. um, because I was so reliant on this check. Um, and it wasn't, it was really interfering a lot with my family life that I felt like the decision had to be made and I made that decision. And so I was met with a lot of, with the anti-fragile, um, you know, state that I was in at that point. I did a lot of side hustles. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of, um, I painted houses. I, I did flower deliveries. I did a lot of shift, a lot of Uber. I, I did a lot to just keep my family afloat and, and really just find that, that provider within me. Mm-hmm. I did a temporary job working at a, at a, at a shelter as well. And that all led to what I currently do as a property manager, um, which, you know, has been a, an enormous blessing mm-hmm. that that job kind of came into its own thing around October. And so it kind of really stapled that, that provider within me and regarding protection, um, you know, the whole thing with George Floyd and uh, black lives matter, you know, obviously that really makes a man really think, yeah, you know, yeah. if something were to happen, would I be able to be in a position to protect my family? And I had to say, no, I, 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 I couldn't. Hmm. Um, so within that time, you know, I got my concealed carry, um, started really just feeding off of guys that, that knew more about firearms than I did. I've bought my first firearm. And so I kind of stapled that, that, that protector part in me. And then regarding priest, um, you know, I, at some point I was doing, uh, I was in a pursuit of pastoral ministry vocationally. Um, but unfortunately I was the type of man that I sacrificed my family on the altar of pastoral ministry. Again, as you perfectly coined, and that had its own uh, ramifications within my relationships with my wife, with my daughters, with my friends. And so I had to really confront that. Um, I had to really be honest and say, God, is this really a true calling? Um, Which I really wanted to avoid because I sort of knew the answer to that. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a lot, a, a lot of that was helpful in coming to that, you know, I, I, Eric Khan, Hardman podcast, I have to specifically say this one episode where he's talking about having your household in order kind of brought yeah, it all yeah. together for me. Um, there's a quote that he quotes from Jordan Peterson within that, within that episode where I'm paraphrasing that you can't, you can't try and solve the world's problems if your household is in chaos. Mm-hmm. And so that, that quote kind of brought it all together for me. I had to really just scrap, you know, me trying to solve the SBC's problems, the local church problems, you know, biblical masculinity within the church, all of those problems, I had to kind of put it to the side and really just deal with my home, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my daughters. And so once I came to that conclusion that I had to do that, um, I had repented to my wife. I repented to my wife of, Again, placing my family on the altar of pastoral ministry, um, which was met with skepticism because that's not the first time I've, you know, I've repented of things like that. But, um, you know, I gave her the benefit of the doubt and I was patient with her. Mm -hmm. And we've, our relationship now is a whole lot better than what it once was. And I've, you know, I've done little things like praying, um, praying with my daughters before sleeping, which was something that was, um, suggested if you ever read uh douglas wilson's book on um bringing up ch- uh, children it's yeah. child rearing, something yeah. like that um but there's little tips within that within those books um 
that I started implementing things like that, disciplining them in a way where it's more beneficial to, um, you know, it's not disciplining where I'm just, you know, going off on them, but it's, it's disciplining biblically, like, yeah. you know, don't spare the, don't spare the rod uh, from yeah. the child. And so those things I've been working and incorporating within my life and I've been really seeing the benefits. Yeah. It was awkward at first, but, um, it's a really healthy rhythm has been developing within my, within my home where, um, we're dreaming. Um, my family's dreaming We're we're in lockstep with the word. Um, and again, that's not done perfectly all the time, but, um, I'm definitely seeing the, the work that's being placed into that. I'm really seeing the benefits of it. Amen. That's awesome. Well, that's exciting yeah. to see, you know, what God's been doing. And I honestly, I think that this is happening your testimony, just what you said, I think there's a lot of guys throughout the country and, you know, whether they had a good relationship with their dad or a bad relationship with your dad, or even if it's in the middle of the road relationship with their, with a father, there's a lot of guys around the, around the country that God has been really waking them up to the reality of the responsibilities of, of who they are biblically, you know, who we are as a man and what our responsibilities and obligations before God and our family and the world, what those are. And, you know, in the non-Christian world, there's the red pill movement where you've been red pilled, where it's just like, you know, you've, you've woken up. I think they do a lot of conferences down. Michael Foster actually has spoken at the last 21 conference down in Florida. And in the Christian world, it's this, this biblical patriarchy world of, wait a minute. I mean, feminism is insane. God has actually spoken really clearly about who we are as men and who women are as women and what our obligations are before God and the world. And, uh, and really just waking up to use that language, waking up to what God has called us to. And uh, it's exciting, man. It's exciting to hear what's happening in your life. Uh, how's that been accepted is, is in your local church? Have people recognized, you know, man, what's going on with Joel in this last year? He seems like he's sometimes it's either they, they you know, people respond with, man, man, they're excited. And they're they're We want to get in line and follow him or it's met with skepticism. Like, whoa, what's going on? So how's the response been um, as God's been doing this work in your life from the people around you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been positive. Um, it's been really positive. So when I, accepted, when I accepted the fact that pastoral ministry was kind of off the table for the moment, um, you know, I don't know what the Lord is going to do with that. But once I, I, I approached my elder regarding that, I actually had a conversation with him regarding that. And I said, you know, I'm just taking a break. I'm taking a time off and I'm really considering um, the fact that this calling was really being pushed by me okay and I, it was met with a lot of respect um i gained a lot of respect for my elder regarding that um i was encouraged by it um and i was it's been met with a lot of positivity um with my pastors and my elders and even uh close friends of mine that are in ministry and those that aren't in ministry um men that i respect that see eye to eye on the way that that um, um, biblical patriarchy is a real thing and not, you know, complementarianism or, mm-hmm. or, or the other, the other options. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. I think when people recognize a man taking responsibility and exactly what Eric talks about getting his household in order, there's something honorable about that. And certainly there's going to be people that, you know, I'm, I'm preaching through Nehemiah at our church right now. And as soon as they're wanting to do the work of God, the opposition comes. You got Sandballot, or as my best buddy right now, he's calling Sandballot Sandbag. 
And uh, so as this, as these guys have the, you know, this naysayer hater attitude, when people are wanting to obey the Lord and Nehemiah is leading the charge, you know, the haters come. And so certainly there's going to be those, but for the people of God, when a man steps up into what God's called him to do, it's, they, they recognize that as an honorable thing. And so it's, it's just so encouraging to hear your story. Um, okay. So a couple other things you've been talking about doing these side hustles and there, there's a lot of guys right now that are trying to do that and, and, and realizing that there is, they want to build anti-fragile homes. They want to, you know, uh, not just have consolidated work and income where all they have is just this one thing. And so I've got different side hustles. I've got, well, I mean, I'm doing this ministry. I'm also doing uh, some things manually, doing some manual labor on water mills uh, that, that dispense ice and water. So I'm the maintenance man for these different, uh, different water mills. So why don't you give us a, a kind of a background? You said you finally landed at this uh, water mill. Uh, I mean, not this water mill, property management. How did you end up arriving? And let me just ask you this. You, so you, you said you were driving with Uber and all that kind of stuff. How did you arrive at this? And then do you think this is going to be a long-term gig for you? Yeah, um, this is definitely a career for me. This is a okay. career decision that I made doing it. Uh, my, my work in uh, the previous seven years, uh, the one that I left in January was actually in real estate. Okay. Um, so I did real estate for seven years. Um, it's a really taxing job. It's a job that um, requires a lot of hustle, but it also unfortunately requires a lot of time away from your family. Mm -hmm. um, I worked a lot of long nights doing it. Um, and I just, it, it affected my health. It affected my, um, my relationships, me mentally. I was just, I, I felt like the days were just bleeding. Mm. Um, and so that's where I made the decision to leave it in January prior to COVID. Okay. Um, but then once COVID happened, obviously, and even then prior to COVID, I was left without anything. I really didn't have a fallback. Um, okay. I literally just felt the Lord was directing me to hand in my resignation. Um, and I woke up the next day saying, God, what? I have no clue what to do. I have no, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? Uh -huh. Um, and I just really started seeing the hand of God just bringing opportunities. A buddy of mine needed a couple of, of rooms painted within his home. I took him up on that offer. Um, my father-in-law does flower deliveries for a living. Um, I picked up on that job. Uh -huh. You know, big, big flower delivery day is Valentine's Day. I, I volunteered myself for that. Um, I started working the apps. I started doing um, Shipped and, and uh, Uber Eats and things like that. Just really finding ways and just really seeing doors open within that. And then I, you know, within that, as, within doing those side hustles, I also started working at a, at a shelter that, um, that uh, takes care of uh, immigrant children. Okay. So I did that for a good while as well. Okay. Gotcha. And then you've arrived at something you're going to be at for long term. Now you've got this gig with property management. Do you have your hand in anything else? I mean, do you have any other side gigs you're doing right now? Or is this the main thing for you? This is the main thing currently. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I get paid pretty well doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but we're definitely both my wife and I are dreaming on building that, that sustainability in a, in either another business or investing in something. Um, so we're already having those conversations and we're already dreaming um, um, towards that direction. I don't have really anything solidified at the moment, but definitely we're, we're in those beginning planning stages. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the COVID response and everything that happened in 2020. Now, Miami is a whole lot different than where I live. I live in Southern Illinois. 
I've been to Miami, been through Miami when I was in college. We would go down, drive through Miami. We stayed at Fort Lauderdale. I've got some friends that still live down there. And uh, we would go all the way down to Key West. And uh, I, I, Fort Lauderdale is like way cool. I didn't realize that Key West really isn't that cool. I mean, there's no beaches or anything. And just, just didn't know when I was in college. But uh, a lot different than where I live now here in Southern Illinois. Um, for 2020, the church you're a part of, how did, how did things go? How, how did, you know, you were out of work at the beginning, you just said, but how did things uh, go with your church? And then where do things stand right now? Do you feel like your church that you're serving at, um, that you're members of, you guys, are, are you in a stronger place than you were a year and a half ago? Or do you feel like it's been detrimental to your church? How, how did things go and where do, you, where do you guys stand now? I mean, my church has been definitely they've been really well they they've they've really uh driven it really well um obviously once the shutdown orders happened you know we all complied obviously um it was new uh, basically a new virus and everyone was kind of in the dark regarding you know what what's its capability of and and whatnot but then obviously with enough time and enough data that's being gathered you know, at least the elders and pastors in my church decided, well, we're just going to open. Um, so around, I want to say June or maybe not even that. Um, I think, yeah, but for the, let's, for the safe side, let's just say June. In June, they opened up their, their um, they opened up services. Unfortunately, they were meeting at a school. Okay. So the school kind of denied them. And so they were scrambling. And, you know, currently we meet at a, another local Baptist church. It's just in the evening time. Okay. Um, but they've been open since June um, and they've been strong. Good. Yeah, that's really good. What, you know, what I found is that churches that have made a commitment and, you know, theologically are committed to gathering, then they're going to gather acknowledging some risks. But most of the churches that I've found that have stayed open, uh, not all, but most of them, you know, have grown. Uh, they've grown spiritually. They feel like their church is in a healthier place than they were a year before. Our church experienced that. I mean, our church has grown numerically, but we've just, I feel like we're in a really healthy spot. Giving has been up. And, uh, you know, if you're committed to doing what God's called you to do, uh, I think the people of God generally respond pretty well to that. And, you know, we have churches around here that still are not meeting, believe it or not. And just crazy. I, I, we, I was at a restaurant the other night. We were going out to eat with a couple pastor buddies and some friends. And I was sitting there talking to a couple that came in and, they reluctantly put their mask on and I struck up a conversation with them, found out they were, they were Christians and they said that their church just started meeting again. And here we are, it's almost February. It's almost been a year and they had almost a year of no meeting whatsoever. Just crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay. yeah but, uh, okay. So let, let's be an encouragement to those that are listening in, maybe some new listeners that we have, you know, I would love for you to give a shout out and, and just say why, the podcast and we have similar, you know, people that have been helpful for us, but it's good to be a man and the hard men podcast. And, you know, you're here. And so this podcast has been helpful to you that I'm really, you know, grateful to God for, because I want it to be helpful. It's always encouraging when I hear that anything that, that I, or when my wife hears anything that she's put out has been helpful. Um, it's always encouraging, but why has, let, let's just give shout outs to the hard men podcast, or it's good to be a man and anything else that's been helpful. What, what are some resources, and you can speak to those podcasts, that have been helpful to you and why? Yeah, definitely. Um, so right off the bat, I mean, I've, I've listened to it. It's Good to Be a Man uh, prior to 2020. Okay. Um, definitely, I have to say the one 
specific episode that kind of also broke me a little bit more. It hurt my ego and it hurt my pride was Michael Foster had an episode talking about LARPing. That yeah. episode in particular. That, that was so good. Dude, that one was, I, I heard that late at night. Uh-huh. I, was, uh, I was working a late night shift and I was just on a break and I heard that episode and I just, it tore me to shreds. Yeah. It tore me to shreds because unfortunately in the reform world, LARPing is a real thing. Yeah. Um, and, I, and we draw up all of these, you know, old theological battles and we think that we're kind of still fighting them when in reality, that's not the battle. Um, I think it was an episode that you did with Owen Scratchin where he was talking about the new battle is, is anthropology. And so yeah. if we're still stuck on Roman Catholicism from, you know, yesteryear, Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to lose what's in front of you, the battle, which is anthropology. Right. And so that, that episode in particular, just fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I already uh, uh, spoke about that one uh, episode where Eric Khan was talking about getting the household in order. I'd probably also suggest the one where he's talking about um, the coddling of the American mind. I think that one yeah. as well was extremely helpful um, just because it shows that I was really living in a world of safism. Mm-hmm. Um I was really doing a lot of um, risk analysis in the way that I did things. And as a man, I can't afford to do that because I will never flourish. I will just plateau the entire way. And so after I heard that episode, I I came to that realization. I had to really assess all of the decisions that I've made. And I really had to really bring it to the Lord and say, God, is, am I really, am I really operating out of fear Mm -hmm. of losing or fear of, you know, losing at, in, in risk or, you know, or is it something else? And so um, that was definitely helpful. And then I can't recommend um, Douglas Wilson's family series books. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he gets a lot of flack. I trust me. I first went to my church and there was so much skepticism on Doug Wilson. I think I've made a fan out of everybody in my church of Doug Wilson. Good. So, well done. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of Doug Wilson. I will use his name and I will quote him, but his family series, future men, uh, federal husband, reforming marriage. I read those books. So I purchased those books in 2015. I never touched them. Okay. In 2019, I want to say the whole month of December, I read the, all of his books uh-huh. in that series. Yeah. Um, it has been, I mean, I don't know why I didn't touch him in 2015, but I'm glad that I touched him in 2019. Yeah. Um, and let me interject a thought real quick about yeah. Doug Wilson. Uh, yeah. he, he is by far the most slandered man in Christianity. And I think a lot of people are in the exact same situation you were in your church were with Doug Wilson, where you read, but with some skepticism because you've heard what everybody else has said. And then when you begin to read and listen to him, you're like, this is amazing. Like he's, he's not denying justification by faith for goodness sake. I mean, he, he's not even a jerk. I mean, this, he, it's so constructive, any criticism he gives and it's principled where it's not slipshod. A lot of people on the internet are just, you know, shoot from the hip on everything. And yet he's here trying to build families and doing something different than just online discernment bloggers are doing. I mean, my family in the same way you have benefited, I read Future Men like 50, like 10 years ago, maybe, and then put it on the shelf and then listened to what everybody else said about Doug Wilson. And then in the last three years, 
God has so used him and his wife and his daughters in my wife's life where, man, we've experienced so much joy just by learning from him. So I'm glad to hear that you'll say Doug Wilson's name without shame. Well done. Yeah. And then obviously your podcast has been an enormous help, which I mean, I stumbled on your podcast just looking up for more resources from Eric Kahn. Uh, you did an interview with him. And I think from that, I downloaded like a couple episodes and it's your podcast has just been an enormous help. Obviously, the the the, the protector provider um, priest uh, label that you coined has been extremely helpful. It's it's really it's really simplified it where I've actually had a conversation with a, a brother of mine from the previous church I went to regarding that. And so I kind of walked him through that whole concept and I, and I also encouraged him to, to listen to your podcast. Okay. Um, and as well, I, I believe the, the, the part the episode where you were talking about uh, missiology mm-hmm. within, um, within evangelicalism being kind of an idol Oh, that, yeah. that episode was extremely helpful. I have, unfortunately, I have to say that was the first time I've ever heard that. Huh. Um, and I think it needs to be heard more. It has to be talked about more often. Um, but that, that episode was really beneficial as well as obviously the, the episode where you're talking about um, sacrificing the family on the altar of vocational or pastoral ministry. Mm, good. Well, I'm glad that's been helpful, man. You know, any of these resources, we'll put these in the show notes, but for anybody listening in, pastors, or I said it in a couple, maybe, I don't know, maybe this week, but we've had a growing audience of, of guys just like yourself, where not in pastoral ministry, just a, you know, a faithful brother and even a lot of ladies that have been tuning in. And, uh, you know, if you've not heard of these resources, these are tremendously helpful. Joel and I are not the only ones that have been so helped. There is a growing number of people who have been so helped by, by these sorts of resources, man, get some books by Doug Wilson, get some books by his daughters, ladies, if you're listening in or his wife and guys go listen to it's good to be a man. I can't tell you how many men in our church and I've sent out, you know, the one on uh, masculine worship. Did you listen to that from it's good to be a man? Yes, I did. Man, wasn't that great? So that was awesome. it was, it was so good. I sent that out to our church and then we actually had, I, so I emailed it out to all the guys in our church. We had a guy that emailed. So, he emailed that to his son and then his son sent it to the, to the guys in his church. And then he actually got reprimanded by some leaders within the church for that episode. And I was thinking, what, what man is going to listen to that and not like it, man, it's a problem. If you're listening to that episode and you're not at the end, you know, singing with those guys on the boat. I mean, it's just a, it's such a great episode, but my gosh, these are such helpful resources. Listen to Eric Kahn's Hardman podcast. It's so helpful. You know, and the thing is about Eric Kahn, where I think maybe some of the middle of the road guys and even Foster, you know, it's, if some of this content is new and, and maybe to a lesser extent, my pad, my podcast, it's more directed towards and, and directed towards pastoral ministry. But with some of this stuff, it kind of feels like I explained it to a guy a couple weeks ago. It kind of, it can at first feel like putting duct tape on your leg and just ripping a piece of duct tape off and, and just ripping all the hair out where it's just, whoa, this is different. I've not, uh, but the differentness about those shows and these resources, even about Doug Wilson, is that they're actually believing the scriptures practically in all of life where, you know, it, it's, it's saying what God has to say about something, any particular topic and not being embarrassed about it. And that's what's so refreshing to me about some of those resources. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think what what rubs a lot of people the wrong way regarding those guys and the way that they talk and the way that they present the material that they're putting out there is the fact that they're just so straightforward. 
Yeah, um, exactly. And they also reject um, one listening to their material and just theoretically accepting it, but not practicing it. Yeah. And so that's where I got, I was, was falling over myself constantly because theoretically I would say amen, mm-hmm. but practically speaking, um, I just didn't do it out of fear, yeah. out of whatever it is. And, but I appreciate the straightforwardness of a Michael Foster of an Eric Khan because they kind of will theoretically put the idea out there and then they'll say, now go do it. Yeah, that's good. Like, I'm not going to say it in a flowery way. I'm going to talk to you like a man. Uh-huh. Go do it. Go do it. That's right. Get it done. And yeah, that, that's really incredibly helpful because in Foster talks a lot about this. He often gets book lists. Give me a book list of all the books. And he's like, man, just read one book, just read one book and then just get to work. And that's why, you know, when I talk about, you know, you keep talking about protect or provide priest and the, the way I've labeled it, my sons, we talk about it is worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. There's these six categories that we want to. And then for ladies, we talk about worship, work, help, submit, fear, nothing, and love. And, um, you know, these are action words intentionally act, you know, like you're, you're a worshiper and you're going to bring your life as a worshiper of God into everything that you do. And so when you protect, when you provide, when you're, you're shepherding your home, you know, th- these are, these are action steps. So, you know, tonight, what is, what does it look like to lead your home? Well, okay. My son spent the night with my in-laws last night. We had our daughter. So it's me and Jordan and my daughter last night. And uh, she's not talking or anything, you know, yet, but my wife and I prayed together last night. Tonight, we do family worship every night and family worship consists of three things. It consists of uh, hearing from God and his word. It consists of singing and it consists of prayer. You know, those three things, it can take five minutes. It can take 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be a 30 minute devotion, but simple things like that. Guys out there listening tonight, real practical application, do family worship. You don't have to be you know, a theologian, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, just open your Bible, read John three sixteen, talk about it for a second, pray, and then sing a song together. Boom. There's family worship. Be a man of action. I agree. I agree. And, and regarding family worship, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a, a sermon. Um, yeah. And that's, that's where I kind of psyched myself out. I, I, I felt like if I read the text, then I felt like I had the need to explain it. Um, But recently I kind of, you know, I I came to the conclusion where it's like, I'm just giving my, my, my daughter's muscle memory at this point. Yeah. Um, I just want them to get into that rhythm of fine, of seeing the scriptures being uh, read aloud, um, prayer being done in a, in a, around a a dinner table and man, just singing a doxology. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Amazing Grace or, or whichever hymn you feel like you need to sing. Um, so it could just be as simple as a doxology. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's so helpful. Well, man, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, is there anything else you want to say before we jump off of here? I think this has been a lot of food for thought and encouraging to guys. Anything else you got, Joel, that you want to talk about? Yeah, I just want to encourage the listeners. Um, I don't, I'm not a finished product uh, by no means. Um, I'm still figuring this out. I'm still trying to get my feet wet, doing this the right way. Um, But I would encourage the listeners and the men particular listening to this. um, Guys, there's a lot of resources out there. Definitely go get your hands on them, read it, but please apply it. Apply it and don't be afraid of failure. You're going to fail numerous amount of times. 
it's going to sound, it's going to be awkward at first, but at some point you're going to hit a stride and I, and it's going to be so much fun. Um, doing this is very fun. Um, it's, it's rewarding. It's hard, but it's also fun. Yeah, that's good. Hey, by the way, I forgot to ask, you said you got a gun and you're working on, you know, just learning more about firearms. What, what gun did you get? I ended up getting a, a Koenig or if you want to be a gun snob, a Yannick T9, <laughs> T9 uh, SF Elite. It's a, a really good concealed carry gun. It has a fantastic trigger. Um, but it, I was debating either that or a Taurus uh, G3C. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, I got the Taurus and I really like it. I carry that. And we I, at any given time at our church, it's crazy. I think we have like our churches, I mean, it depends on what you think is small or big, but we have, you know, 120 people or so. And at any given time, we probably have at least 10 people there carrying, I would say. I mean, nice. Carrying all the time. But I like hearing that, man. That's so cool. Hey, guys, we've been talking to Joel Blanco. You can find him. What, where can we find you? on? If, if people want to follow you, I know you're on Gab. Any, anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm just exclusively on Gab. I, mean, I know that sounds a little pretentious, but, I mean, I let go of the other social media platforms. Um, but you can find me on Gab, and if you're not on Gab, I would encourage you to get on Gab. And it, but if you refuse to get on Gab, you could always email me at x as in Xavier Joel Blanco at gmail.com. That's a good deal, well, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, Joel. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, guys, we're back recording because Joel just remind me, re reminded me that I did not ask him the question I ask everybody which is, why do you love Jesus so much? So I know this is going to be awkward after saying goodbye, but Joel Blanco, why do you love Jesus so much? So I knew this question was coming, um, but I'll preface it with the, I'll, I'll preface my answer with the thief on the cross. Um, the thief on the cross died nameless, condemned. Um, he felt worthless. And when Christ met me, I felt that way. I felt nameless. I felt condemned. And yet I was given grace. And so that grace to me, how can I not worship my savior if I've been extended that grace when I stand condemned? And that's awesome. Praise God. Well, thanks so much for that. And thank you for reminding me about that. And so for a second time, Joel Blanco, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jared. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit the shepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.